Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well today. It's a beautiful, cool Tuesday morning in North Texas. It's about 60-some degrees outside. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's supposed to get up to 80 today, so it's an absolutely Chamber of Commerce day, perfect day. Hope wherever you may are, wherever you are, wherever you may be, thank you for joining us and hope you're doing well. Hope your day is a beautiful day as well. Day full of joy, day full of grace, day full of love. So uh, great to have you here. Today, I am very excited, very excited about our Bible study this morning. We are working our way through the book of Galatians, and today we are in Galatians chapter 4. And Galatians chapter 4 is something that I'm pretty excited about. I'm pretty excited to, to work through it with you, and uh, uh, so, so glad that you are making this a priority and that you're here with us. And uh, so if you're live with us and uh, you have questions, please uh, share those with the, in the comments. And if you're watching this later and have questions, please let me know. Uh, good morning, everybody who's jumping on, Margaret and Craig and Tina and Dee and Patty. Patty has the chimney sweep here today. Uh, I, let, let me know if they do a good job. We need one as well. So <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining. Okay, Galatians chapter four. We're studying Galatians because it's Reformation month. It's October. And Martin Luther absolutely loved Galatians. He referred to Galatians as... Uh, Katharina von Bora because what was the name of his wife because he said he was married to Galatians and so we're getting to the point now where we're figuring out why Luther loved Galatians so much and as we go through it we're going to have some quotes from Luther on, on different things today we're going to talk about a couple things that I think are very relevant today things that we struggle with today and so one is karma we're going to talk about karma and the other we're going to talk about the difference between Christianity and Islam and so we're going to get to that today and, and interesting well, I'm going to, we'll get to it. So good morning, Jackie and Peggy. Thanks for being here today. So, okay, we're going to start Galatians 4, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes, my point is this, heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves. Though they are the owners of all the property, but they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. So heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves. Basically, if you're the oldest son, right, you're the heir. And if your father goes off and dies in battle, you are the heir. You get everything when you reach a certain age. Until that point, it's, uh, I love that they that remain under control of the guardians and trustees. This idea that like a trust fund is a new thing. They had trustees back 2,000 years ago. Uh, and so, but, so if you're a child and you inherit everything, you're still no more than, it says, it says no better than a slave within, the, within the, the house, the ranch, the whatever you want to call it, until you reach a certain age. You are still under the authority of others. So, uh, so Paul argues that we as human beings are under the authority of what he calls the elemental spirits of the world the elemental spirits of the world. Well, what does that mean? What does the elemental spirits of the world mean? Well, this is what we know as the principle of cause and effect. Cause and effect, meaning that, I mean, it's basically karma, right? You get what you deserve or whatever uh, it rules. So, so the rule is if, if you're a good person, good things happen to you. If you're a bad things, bad things happen to you. This is the law. This is, this is our society. This is what we, this is the world as we know it, right? And everything that we know kind of belongs under this rule, this principle. 
that if you're a good person, good things happen to you. And if you're a bad person, bad things happen to you. A lot of people believe in this, right? And so then Paul is talking about grace and how grace contradicts this, this rule of cause and effect. You get what you deserve. Because under grace, God does not deal with us on the basis of what we deserve. God's blessings, God's favors, God's promises are given to us on a principle completely apart from what we deserve. So it's based on grace. It's based on grace. God gives us things not because we deserve them, but because God loves us and wants to give them. So good morning, Jackie, Phyllis, and Julie. Uh, glad you could jump on and join us. Now, this, is, this, this is so important. This is so important. What percentage of Americans do you think believe in karma? This is a 2019 study. What percentage of Americans do you think believes in karma? So, so they did it in, uh, do you believe in karma strongly? Uh, strongly, then there was like, a, I believe, then I believe somewhat, and then don't believe. Uh, so uh, if you're with us live, take a guess. What percent of Americans do you think believe in karma? Do you think believes in this idea that if you do good, if you throw good out into the universe, good will come back to you. And if you throw bad out into the universe, bad will come back to you. What percentage of Americans do you think believe in this? Jackie, 80%. Really, really good guess. The actual number is 83%. 83% of Americans in 2019 who were polled believed in some form of karma, where you, you do good, good things happen to you. And so while that may be true in our society, and we hope that it is, that good things happen to good people, right? And bad things happen to good people. We, we, we hope that that, well, I mean, we never wish bad things on anyone, but, um, but we hope that good happens for good people, right? When we're talking about our relationship with God, we are not talking about a relationship built on the principle of cause and effect, where if we do good, God will do good for us. And if we don't, God won't. That is not grace. That is not our relationship with God. And so, Going through Galatians, as we go through, Paul was writing about this other, other gospel that they have started to believe, which is this idea that if you do good, good things will happen to you, and if you don't, it won't. So then verses 4 through 7, he continues. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through Christ. So Jesus was born of a woman. Another thing that points to the virgin birth, right? That he was born of a woman, not born of a woman and a man. Uh, but this idea that we have been redeemed by the power of Jesus, because Jesus was born of a woman, but still God, right? So this dual nature of God, this dual nature of Jesus, human and divine. He was born under the law, but he redeemed us who, under, who are under the law through his death and resurrection. And so then Luther says, a son is an heir, not by virtue of high accomplishments, but by virtue of his birth. He is a mere recipient. His birth makes him an heir, not his labors. So we've had this conversation before, but I think it's a good time to revisit it because when we have conversations about one verse, I love that we can, that other verses just simply, they, uh, other verses point to the fact that this is true. And so this is what is true. Heaven is not a reward. Our salvation is not a reward. It is an inheritance. It is an inheritance. And so Paul talks about being an heir. 
and saying that our salvation is a, an inheritance. What's the difference? A reward, if you do these things, then you will be rewarded with this thing, right? A reward is, you know, if you can, if you can pick the six right numbers, then you're going to win the lottery. If you can do these things, if you can get a PhD, and if you can, you know, do all the stuff, then you'll be rewarded with a high salary. You know, all, all these things, right? If you can sell so many cars a month, you're going to be rewarded with this kind of pay. Uh, this is, this is, this is the, the world that we live in, right? Everything is based on a reward. Everything is based on you do this, and so you get this. An inheritance is different. An inheritance is different because it has nothing to do with what you have done. It has nothing to do with your accomplishments, your abilities, anything. You receive an inheritance strictly because of what family you're in, who you belong to, right? And so through Christ, you have been redeemed and adopted as a son or a daughter of God, and therefore your heavenly inheritance is based on that and that alone. You inherit something because of your family, not because of your works. And this is Paul saying we inherit heaven because of our family, because we are claimed beloved children of God, not because we're good people, uh, not because we're good people, but because God has chosen to love us. And this is really, really powerful stuff. I mean, this is, this is, 2,000 years ago, this was important to hear. It's important to hear today because we still live in a world where people think that we, uh, we are loved by God based on our ability to do certain things, right? But that's not, I mean, that's not the theology of Paul in Galatians. That's not our Lutheran theology, right? Saved by grace uh, uh, through faith. And so, uh, Tina, not an if-then, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Our, our, our faith is, is all that... Uh, our faith is, is, is all that we need, uh, and, and that is given to us by God. So uh, verse 9, now, however, that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly elemental spirits? How can you want to be enslaved to them again? So I love this. There's a distinction here, an important point. He says, now that you have come to know God, no, 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 no. Or rather, now that you have come to be known by God, and I said this in a sermon, right, a couple of weeks ago, it's not that we know God, it's that God knows us. Everything that's important in life, all the promises that God has given us are given to us because God knows us, not because we know God. It is really more important that God knows us. And, and that ha- immediately makes me think of Matthew 7, where Jesus says, Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, I never knew you. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did, not pro- did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Right, this is, this is Jesus talking about, I mean, the law, right? If, if, if we come to Jesus on the basis of the law, this idea that, you know, we're doing all these things and you know, we're good people and all this stuff. Uh, I mean, didn't we prophesy and cast out demons and do many deeds in your name? I mean, but, you know, we did it in your name, even though we didn't really listen to the other things you said. Jesus said, go away. So this, the promise of our baptism is that God knows you. Jesus says, I never knew you, but the promises that we have been given is that I know you. I have known you since the moment, uh, moment 
you were created. I've known you uh, every second of your life. I mean, this is the, the hymn that makes me all weepy and teary, and it's kind of corny, but I was there to hear your morning cry. I'll be there when you are old. You know, this that, that God knows us intimately and is with us, and we are known by God. And so Luther says, there is a twofold knowledge of God, general and particular. All men have the general and instinctive recognition that there is a God who created heaven and earth, who is just and holy, and who punishes the wicked. How God feels about us, what his intentions are, what he will do for us, or how he will save us, that men cannot know instinctively. It must be revealed to them. So that's what Luther said. And we say that that was revealed to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? How God loves us was shown to us on the cross. How far God was willing to go to show us that we are loved, right? And so um, in turning to legalism, the Galatians were not turning to a new error, but coming back to an old one. The idea of a works relationship with God, this idea of, of you know, cause and effect of if we're good, you're going to be good to us, this, right? That's, that's going backwards not forwards. And Paul is saying, well, the, we are going forward. And so Paul seemed to be, seemed amazed that someone would hear this message of saved by grace through faith, and then return to this, what he calls bondage, or the slavery of uh, legalism, right? Returning back to, to focusing on our works. Now, there are a lot of people who prefer works to grace, right? There's advantages to works, to legalism. There's the first is that uh, there's rules to keep. There's a checkboard, right? A checklist. We can put up five things and say, if we do these five things, then we know that God will love us, right? And so it helps us to have an idea of how to live. We have those things as Christians, but we just don't say that if you do these, God will love you, right? But, but the second thing, I think the reason we like legalism is because we can feel proud of ourselves for keeping the rules. And sure, we're not going to be perfect, but, but we can look at others and say, well, I've kept the rules better than them, right? And so we can be proud of ourselves and we can feel good about ourselves. Uh, and then we can take credit for our own salvation. We can say, well, because I'm such a good person, I know that I'm going to heaven. I earned it. I've kept the list of rules better than others. Not, not perfectly, but better than others. And so we, legalism is attractive. Grace isn't because grace is is contradictory to the things that we believe. It's contradictory to our, uh, to our society, right? It's, we live in a society where it's easier to, under, to make sense of cause and effect, right? The, the elemental spirits of the world, right? I mean, it's, it just makes more sense to us that if you work hard and you achieve things, uh, you know, then you're going to get rewarded for those things. And so uh, that's what Paul is saying. Now that you have heard this message of grace, do not go back to that. Do not go back to that. Sure, that may be the way the world works, but that's not the way our relationship with God works. And don't build your life, your relationship with God based on that. Okay. Now we're getting into uh, the, the next kind of now moving on. Verses 21 through 24. Paul writes, tell me you who desire to be subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. One, the child of the slave, was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through the promise. Now this is an allegory. These women are two covenants. One woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Okay, so let's make sense of this. 
Paul is going back to Genesis, Genesis 16, right? Genesis 15, Abram is promised that he is going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, but it's not happening. And Sarah and Abraham are getting old, so he ends up having a child with Hagar, who was Sarah's uh, servant. And, and that son was named Ishmael. Ishmael goes on to become the patriarch of the Islamic faith. The, the, the Islamic people descend, you know, claim their descendants, their descended from Ishmael in the same way that the, the Jewish people are descended from Abraham and, and through Isaac. And so the, 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 Muslim, the Islamic people, the Muslims, they, they trace their heritage back to Abraham through Ishmael. Okay. So what's interesting, though, is that Paul writes this 500 years, more than 500 years, before the prophet Muhammad is born. And so he's not specifically talking about Islamic people, right? Because there is no Quran at this point. And, but he is pointing out the difference between Christianity and legalism. He's doing this another way, okay? One son of Abraham, Isaac, was born of Sarah, a free woman, while Ishmael was born of a servant. Okay, this is an important distinction. And the, the main, one of the main, the main difference one of the main differences between the two biggest religions in the world, okay? Uh, according to Wikipedia, which is, you know, where we all go for our information these days, there are 2.2 Christians in the world. So 30%, 31% of the world's population is Christians. Uh, the uh, Islam has 1.6 billion people uh, belong to Islam, the religion of Islam, which is basically 22, 23% of the world's population. So you're talking about more than 50% of the world's population belongs to one or the other. Okay, so what is the difference between the two? I mean, other than the, the understanding of Jesus and that kind of thing, let's, let's get to this. The Bible doesn't really say that Ishmael was a bad guy, or the Bible doesn't really say that Ishmael was cursed. And in Genesis chapter 21, we have a story of how he teased his little brother, but everyone does that. I mean, everyone teases their sibling, right? I mean, that's just part of being a human being. But we know that Ishmael's faith is different than Isaac's, right? Ishmael's faith is different than Isaac's because it was his faith is not built on a promise. And so if we go to look at the, the six basic articles of faith in, um, for the people of Islam, right? It says the, the foundations of faith in Islam. This, the heart of faith for all Muslims is obedient, obedience to Allah's will. The heart of faith for all Muslims is obedience to Allah's will. The heart of faith is obedience. It's obedience to the law, right? To the law. And it goes on to say, Allah is just. Allah rewards and punishes fairly, but Allah is merciful. So this idea, this cause and effect. I mean, Allah rewards and punishes fairly. And the heart of faith for all Muslims is obedience to, to Allah's will. So, I mean, it's cause and effect. It's basically what we're talking about here. And, and, and I don't want to come across as saying that the, the, the Muslims are bad people. That's not what I'm saying. I have friends who are Muslims, uh, specifically people who work in the city of Southlake, the Islamic Center of Southlake. Uh, we, we've built relationships with, 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 with them. And it, we're, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing at them and saying that they're terrible people. I'm not doing their good, good people. And I am, uh, it, their friendship has is, is, is really uh, been a powerful part of what we've been doing in Abiding Grace. However, their faith is different than ours, right? Their faith is different than ours. That's not, shouldn't be a controversial thing to say, that their faith is different than ours. Now, the foundation of faith for Christians, verse 28 of uh, Galatians chapter 4. Now, you, my friends, are children of the promise like Isaac. 
children of the promise like Isaac. So our faith is built on a promise, not on obedience. Our faith is built on a promise, not on obedience. So what is our promise? So two verses that I think that's, that say it just really simple and clearly. Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. As Lutherans, we kind of you know, build the theology on that, right? Saved by grace through faith. It's who we are. It's what we believe. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life, right? We don't, our faith is not built on obedience. Our faith, our, our faith is built on God's grace. And so we trust in God's grace. We build our life on God's grace. We have hope because of God's grace, not because of our ability to be obedient, not because of our ability to, uh, to keep the law and to do all the right things at all the right times. And all the, I mean, it's important for us to do the right thing, right? It's important for us to, uh, let, to love our neighbor and to uh, take care of those who are less fortunate and to stand up for those who don't have a voice and for all those things. But our salvation is not based on it. Our salvation is based on our faith in God's grace, that God is a God of grace. And so Paul says, do not go back, do not go back to the living the life of legalism, to living the life where you put everything on yourself, right? I'm going to be saved because I'm a good person, but what happens if you make a mistake, right? What happens? Is it just one and done? You only get one chance? Maybe you get a second chance. Paul says, no, that doesn't make any sense at all. We are saved by grace through faith, even though, even though that's much different than the way that the world works, we need to learn to be people, uh, the people of God, the people of the kingdom, as opposed to trying to make sense of a world that uh, is opposed to the way that God works. And so it's, as the people of God, we do our best to show grace and to live in that grace and to trust in that grace. So we'll close with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for forgiving us when we make mistakes. We thank you for your presence, which is always with us. We thank you for knowing us in ways that we don't even know ourselves and for loving us even in the midst of all our weaknesses and all our struggles and all our imperfections. We pray that you would help us to share that love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I will see you on Thursday, two days from now, and we will continue with Galatians chapter 5.